Hi everyone, welcome to Narcissism Recovery Podcast. My name is Yitz Epstein, I'm your host. I am a narcissistic abuse life coach with a very special show today. I'm joined by Michelle Simon. Uh, Michelle Simon is a public health attorney and author who has spent her entire 25 year career working with nonprofits, including starting two of her own organizations. Her area of specialty is food policy and she has worked with dozens of nonprofit organizations in the food movement. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on today. It's such an honor to have you here. My pleasure, Yitz. I am a huge fan of your podcast, so it's an honor to be part of it. Yes, thank you for that, and thank you for uh, uh, for uh, agreeing to come on. And uh, some of the things I wanted to chat about today, and some of the things that resonated with you about my podcast, was sort of the altruistic uh, narcissists and and sort of the very insidious and covert ways that narcissistic abusers sort of rise the the, the dominance hierarchy and and great uh, gain success. Uh, many of them are extremely deceptive. So if you can start by talking about uh, your thoughts on the way narcissistic abuse and narcissistic abusers sort of inf- infiltrates the uh, the industries that you've been a part of. Yeah, happy to. So I think the episode that really resonated with me the most was the one where you spoke about the altruistic narcissist, right? The type of person that really gains a lot of attention in the community and is a do-gooder. And that just really struck me um, as very familiar because, you know, in the nonprofit world, it's this obviously altruism is sort of an inherent part of many nonprofit fields. So whether, you know, we're trying to save animals or the environment or, you know, better education, it's just sort of inherently a place where altruists might show up. And I think that that also creates an atmosphere, say, maybe different from the business world, where, of course, we know narcissists are rampant in the business world, too. But mm-hmm. at least business, you have some idea that the people there are in it to make money. And I don't sure. I think there's, you have a bit of more of a shield that perhaps or a filter or, but, you know, in um, the nonprofit space where again, everyone's there to kind of save the world, mm-hmm. you, you're more vulnerable, right? There, there's this notion just in general, like even just putting the narcissist aside for the moment, just in general, we have a very giving kind of way of interacting with each other, right? So. If I'm running a certain organization that overlaps with the mission of another organization, there may be some competition there, sure. But for the most part, we're going to want to collaborate. We're going to want to help each other because it's all for the betterment of the cause. So you take that sort of approach and attitude to openness and sharing and let's, you know, all do this together and really caring about your mission. That's like, you know, an environment where a narcissist can easily sort of swoop in and say, hey, I'm here to help you save the world, you know? So that struck me and I feel like there's a lot out there about narcissism in relationships and a bit in the workplace, but I haven't really seen a lot that talks about this particular sort of interplay between, you know, nonprofits that are trying to do good in the world and then the narcissist who can kind of come in and take advantage Absolutely. And I myself have been uh, have been a victim of these types of individuals. I can attest to just how deceiving they are. Uh, usually very charismatic and very, um, very attractive and very much uh, 
in essence, able to uh, gather people together to for a certain cause. And the way I see it is people who show up to these types of, and obviously you can you can uh, confirm this, uh, people who show up to this type of industry and the industries where, where you know, we're trying to help people, that the, the, the help, the helping community and, and those who want to do good for the world and actually have a, have a purpose in their lives, uh, they are coming with, uh, extremely vulnerable and ultimately ready to give and oftentimes uh, give their entire sense of self and, and being just to live their purpose and uh, like you mentioned narcissists will swoop in and uh, is sort of pretend to be your friend or help you and assist you in this process but ultimately deceive you so you know i don't think anyone is safe from narcissistic abusers but based on your experiences how could we look out for these types of people to to you know i mean like we mentioned it's so insidious and so covert and so uh, deceptive how could we i mean what are your thoughts on how to protect yourself from these types of people yeah, well, um, it's a good question. I, unfortunately, <laughs> I think, um, sadly, I don't know that there is a way until you've experienced it. I mean, at least that's yeah. been my experience. Like, I just feel like it's, it's so insidious that you don't think that it could even be true until you really are the victim of it, right? I mean, I think that's probably true sure. of a lot of people that you help and, you know, um, just kind of getting um, to learn about what narcissism even looks like. And, you know, the other factor here that's critically important to me is the interplay between men and women in the workplace. And so, you know, it's come as no surprise that we live in a patriarchal society to begin with. And mm -hmm. in my experience, um, in this particular brand of narcissism, it, it tends to be a lot of white men who prey on, you know, the um, sort of altruistic, uh, you know, personalities of sometimes pretty young women even. And, um, you know, in any woman really can be vulnerable to this. And it's particularly heartbreaking. And, you know, this comes from just my having spoken to a lot of uh, women colleagues and friends in neighboring fields, say like the animal welfare movement where, um, yeah, and some of this has actually been made public where there's been outright sexual harassment and assault, sadly. And, you know, there's probably a pretty good connection. I'm guessing maybe you can confirm this as the expert um, between men who do, you know, engage in sexual harassment and narcissism. Um, I can just say that while I knew that sexual harassment was going on and just sexism, let's just say, you know, treating mm -hmm. women differently than men in, in a much different way than men are treated. Um, I knew that that was going on, certainly I'm not naive, sure. but I hadn't really put it together with narcissism until recently. And then particularly talking to friends who did also identify it as narcissism specifically. And so what's so sad about it is you have when like, just think about, you know, a typical sort of story-eyed young woman who maybe, you know, is so passionate about saving animals and she enters this big, you know, powerful organization with this really charismatic leader and, you know, he preys on her, right? For sure. Because that's just the environment that they're in and he's got that, you know, narcissistic sort of entitled male syndrome 
and a woman gets hit on and maybe they have an affair, maybe it doesn't even have to go that far, but he does something inappropriate. And of course mm -hmm. he knows, it, knows it's wrong and may feel terrible about it or you know, may enjoy it, whatever. But mostly she's being exploited regardless of the situation. And you know, maybe she wants to expose him, but mm -hmm. she can't, right? Because yeah. who's gonna believe her? I mean, the usual reasons, right? The women aren't believed, but layered on top of it, and, and men will actually say this, you can't speak out because it'll hurt the animals. I mean, right. this is literally what men say, you know? Yeah. So they exploit the cause, right? To keep women quiet. And then sure. what happens? The woman is, you know, feeling, I mean, it just, what that does to a woman's psyche, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So I was wondering, have you seen or is there research to support this connection between kind of sexual? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Well, let me say that. First of all, I I believe in that episode uh, of the narc altruistic, altruistic narcissist, I call these individuals some of the most dangerous that exist um, because they, they abuse uh, and they sort of triangulate a cause. And, and then they say, you know, you can't expose me because of the cause that I represent. They sort of latch on to that cause and, and exploit that. But, uh, you know, it's interesting to ask. I do feel that it's almost uh, without uh, any... Uh, I should say there's no almost no separation between being a narcissistic abuser and having some sort of sexual exploitation, almost sexual wounds. Um, I do believe narcissistic abuse is stemming from at the core sexual shame. Uh, that's a side note, but I will say like this: I, I do believe the battle of the sexes and sort of the the male-dominated industry. Um, it's going to it's going to exploit the feminine, and I do believe that if the if the if the you know the feminine or the feminine energy the female doesn't doesn't realize this, they're going to walk in there uh, and just be sitting ducks and, and be be exploited. You know, um, and, and not to say that there's not female narcissists out there. You know, ultimately there are, but uh, ultimately I, I think that when you have these industries that are male dominated. Uh, and then ultimately, uh, they're able to cover their tracks because if you expose them, you expose the cause. It sets these, uh, like, you know, what, what what it does to the to the psyche of these individuals. I mean, I can, like you said, I can only imagine it's psyche shattering, soul shattering, and and really uh, extremely destructive. Um, but you know, it's interesting because the reason I find this specific. Uh, type of narcissistic abuse so fascinating is because uh, first of all I myself have fallen for them and I like to think of myself as you know somewhat emotionally aware self-aware uh, and and ultimately I myself was uh, passionate about the same things they seem to be passionate about and it's almost like they manipulated manipulate you to tell you you know to convince you that they're on your side and they have the same cause but all the meanwhile they're actually sort of exploiting you and and there's a secondary gain there which you do not see uh, so that, that's sort of my experiences with it. Uh, do you feel like that's it's been the same way for you? And further and say that sometimes the game, often the game, so there's the, you know, scenario we just talked about where, you know, a young woman might get sexually exploited. But the other scenario is um, someone that's maybe more established or has, you know, some years under her belt, but um, you know, is in a situation, whatever it is, where a man can come in and claim, you know, have that altruistic um, approach, but really be seeking to um, sort of extract from that woman all they know about their expertise and with the ultimate goal of sort of stealing that person's work. Yeah. And I've mm -hmm. seen this play out with a few colleagues too. And I want to also, and, and there's, so there's a lot of like 
particularly when a movement is taking off. So like in my field, plant-based foods, you know, I've been in the, in the vegan movement <laughs> really over mm -hmm. 20 years and it wasn't a thing back, you know, in the late nineties when I started, it was really a very niche thing for um, a small percentage of the population. And now it's yeah. really gone mainstream. So take that, like the already like altruistic way of, well, we want to save animals. We want people to be healthy. Everything that goes along with promoting a plant-based lifestyle and diet and then you have the fact that it's exploding in popularity, right? Yeah, and so for sure. now we've set the stage for, and again, it's largely white males, and I'm sorry to pick on you know, your people, but it's just <laughs> reality. No, no offense <laughs> taken. Okay, good. So it's largely white men who are swooping in yeah. and they, may, they've come, they come from other fields, right? They may come from right. animal rights fields or just they may be brand new, right? They're 20 something and they think, oh, here's a field that's taking off. I'm going right. to, you know, here's supply for me, right? For sure. You know, it's like, I want to jump on this bandwagon because then I'm going to look like such a hero. So they jump in, they know nothing, yeah. like literally nothing. They've done nothing in their lives that is connected yeah. to this field that they want now to be a part of. And so they're like vampires, right? They come in and they suck the experts who've been in the field for many yep. years dry so mm -hmm. that they can then position themselves as experts and basically steal the work of people who've been doing it for years and built the movement. Yeah. And I've seen that time and time again. And there's one situation that was actually made public with a friend of mine who um, was a co-founder of a prominent magazine in the field and you know her partner and her co-founded the magazine. And then he tried to um, sue her for ownership of the magazine saying like she didn't, she wasn't really a co-founder and it was just horrific and it was public right. and, you know, so mm -hmm. this idea of men stealing women's work is so, mm -hmm. and the other thing, you know, the reason I'm passionate about this is it goes, it's a whole different sort of, you know, problem than sexual harassment and as horrible as that is, I feel like we don't pay attention to the sexism and the stealing of work as, yeah. much as we should. And it's not just women, of course, it's people of color and you know anyone who's marginalized and you sure. know, white men are trying to prey upon. And, um, and there's no legal recourse for this type of abuse, right? So while you know, women can at least try to sue or bring some kind of claim, although most won't, of course. Yeah, they'll be shut down. Right. I'll be shut, shut up. Mm -hmm. There's literally no legal recourse for outright sexism, just, you know, mental um, abuse, you know, psychological abuse, of course, that goes along with narcissism and of course, outright stealing of work. I mean, you know, there's really very little, unless you're somehow you've gotten, you know, into some intellectual property that's protected, but of course, yeah. well, don't in the, in the nonprofit world. So yeah, yeah it's, it's insidious. 100%. Yeah, I think it's no secret that, I mean, the expressions like it's a man's world and, you know, especially now with the sort of the Me Too movement and, and, and Black Lives Matter, I think the narrative that they're fighting is is kind of what you're saying. I think that we're all maybe maybe too politically uh, terrified to say it, but it, 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 I think the almost what we're saying is is the white male is is exploiting the the weak, you know, and I, and I, I you know, I want to make it very clear, especially to our audience that the white male isn't the only narcissist out there, but I do believe that we, they, they, I guess you can say they have uh, a leg up in the way that we, uh, they, in a sense, they have a privilege because we ultimately, they ultimately, uh, I guess you can say that's, that's the way the world is sadly set up. Um, but, you know, you know, 
And I do believe that that the world is shifting. I think people are waking up. Uh, people like yourself, myself. You know, ultimately, I use my platform, my my, my podcast, to express uh, what I've gone through, uh, my personal experiences, and, and ultimately uh, in business as well. Um, and so, you know, that's why I'm so I'm so grateful to to meet people like yourself who who are who are you know in the trenches, who are you know truly altruistic, who actually care, who have a deep desire to change the world for the better. And and you see the the, the differences that you can discern between somebody who actually cares and somebody who does not. And people on the outside, you know, don't have that awareness. And it's almost like you're in, you're in there and you get the viewpoints, which is why, you know, I wanted to definitely have you on here. And um, so, so what else could you tell us about these very dangerous people uh, and how they, and how could we, I mean, I mentioned before, but I'm very much curious and I believe our audience wants to know how could we protect ourselves? Is there, is there anything we can do to protect ourselves from these very dangerous people? Yeah. Well, I think, that the education and awareness raising that you are trying to do right now um, obviously is a big part of it. And I just think that sadly, um, you know, particularly women, but anyone really just needs to have, you know, their radar up, right? And mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, again, because we want to, um, we're, we're in that mindset of, of trying to to save the world and do the right thing, we tend to just think, oh, everyone must be like us, you know, but unfortunately not everyone is like us, some people. Right. And I will say, I think over time, people do reveal themselves, right? So right. while it may seem in the beginning, okay, this, I mean, I've had experiences and and in a whole other level is, is um, funders in the nonprofit world, right? I mean, God knows a lot of white men, savior, uh, a lot of white male savior syndrome in, in the funder community, where, and they of course have complete control. I mean, talk about, you know, just really exploiting your power um, when you're a donor to a nonprofit and then you assert yourself in an inappropriate way, which definitely happens. But um, so, I mean, I've learned, you know, the hard way (laughs) about how Mm -hmm. to kind of pick up on cues um, from people who aren't really, and I, you know, for me, it's like, if we have one conversation and I don't really feel good about it, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. Um, and, but that might give it like a couple more chances and by like the third or fourth conversation, like you don't really care about the cause and you're not really going to work with me. You're just sort of extracting, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. information from me for your own purposes. And, you know, I've, I've come to understand that type of personality and, you know, there's an inauthenticity to how people right. interact that I think once you kind of learn what that looks like, you can be on the lookout for it. So I would say just, you know, don't assume that everyone is coming to you that you don't know with good intentions. You can also ask others. And however, I will say, you know, I was asked about someone and I thought that person was good. And so it's like, you know, again, it only kind of comes with time and experience, but I think asking around, um, I'm thinking of one particular donor that I asked around about and found out that that person had a bad reputation. So, you know, I think trusting, you know, asking people that you can trust, right? Um, about mm-hmm. those who you don't know is a good step. And then um, just, you know, trusting your gut, right? I think good people have like an innate sense of like other people and how they interact with them and are they for real? And um, I think you have to really proceed with caution, I guess is the best advice I can give. Yeah. No, I appreciate that greatly. You know, uh, another one of my favorite episodes uh, is uh, 
is how narcissists exploit uh, your your uh, your goals, your purpose, and your and your sort of life mission. Uh, and and I believe that people who enter into this uh, into the nonprofit sector are are deeply concerned for the future of humanity, uh, and they they almost want to they give their lives to the purpose uh, of their life. And 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 when somebody comes in there and exploits that. I can't even describe how absolutely soul-shattering that is because your sole purpose uh, is really deeply connected to who you are and your identity, uh, and the damage it does is incalculable. So now, absolutely. yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to no, go ahead. another um, sort of way of looking at this phenomenon. I know we've, we're talking a lot about sort of mostly one-on-one -on -one kind of interactions and the damage it can do to individual psyche, which is, of course is critically important. But I'm also witnessing something that feels, and you talked about this too, you have a couple of great episodes on like global narcissism, like this epidemic, mm -hmm. you know? And I see it, you know, just within my small field where, you know, maybe a handful of um, narcissistic leaders kind of create this cult-like following, you know, where then, and they sort of pollute the atmosphere, if you will, of the field, mm -hmm. you know, and they kind of hijack even a lot of the true um, messaging and mission oriented uh, organizations. And they create this atmosphere of like, we know best, right? And there's only one way to do things, right? And this is like creates, again, this cult-like following of mm -hmm. this is how to save the world. Right? I mean, it's almost like, right. I don't know, it's a brand of capitalism, I guess, but it's like, yeah. we have decided, we being, you know, the sort of white male echelon of this movement have decided this is how we should go about changing things. We're seeing it right now in the realm of biotechnology in my field where, you know, certain people have decided, leaders have decided that, you know, biotechnology will save sure. animals and the planet. and they get investors to invest millions of dollars. You get company, all these startups spawning up all over the place. And it, again, it's like this entire cult of thinking about how to save the world when there's a few of us over here going, um, I don't think so. Like biotechnology didn't really work out so well huh. before, you know, Monsanto has been polluting the globe for decades. We don't really want to duplicate that. And, but because huh. They're coming at it from this saving the world place. You know, again, it's mm -hmm. altruistic, like laying over this really twisted brand of capitalism, which is this, you know, sort of billionaire driven biotechnology will save the world. But because it's now being pushed by not just companies, but nonprofits, it, it's so twisted. And so that really bothers me too, that this sort of my way or the highway. And if you're not on board with this plan, you know, then you're just stupid and need to be dismissed and marginalized and, and shit upon. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that greatly. It's almost, you know, and then the concept of like to change the world, you know, let's try being a decent human being who has empathy, you know, what, a, what, a, what a concept, but, uh, you know, it's interesting because, you know, you, the way I see it is, uh, fear, seduces and love allows so people who are in fear which is obviously a low conscious state uh, usually shame-based are going to look for power and control and you see a globe nowadays yes i talk about global narcissism because you see i think it's like 80 to 85 percent of the globe is in a low conscious state uh, and then that's why narcissism is thriving and you know when when you have a world that's that's riddled with fear 
riddled with a low conscious state, you have destruction, you have dysfunction, you have everything gets exploited, uh, even, the, even the good, especially the good people who actually genuinely um, want to change the world. You know, obviously, I, I, I think we both have this in common. We're trying to better the world, better the environment around us. And, and I love how you said uh, it, it pollutes the environment. It's like the energy in the room is toxic. So the way I see it is, is that when each individual uh, cleans their energy, so to speak, and raises their consciousness, it, it's infectious. You know, the same way narcissism is, is infectious and affects everyone around you, uh, so is health. And, um, you know, I want to thank you for, for being someone who, uh, you know, I admire for your ability to hang in there for as long as you did and, and be around people who are absolutely destructive, selfish, narcissistic, apathetic. Uh, and, and yet you maintained your dignity. You'd maintained your sense of what is right and what is wrong. And I can honestly say most people in your position would probably have folded. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I did want to pick up on that thread too, I man, not just about me and that I survived it, but, um, but how it does push good people out. Right. And we see this in other contexts all the time. Right. I mean, like in politics, God knows many good people left politics because of the craziness. In uh, that. Yeah. Um, but in my field, I can think of just half a dozen women off the top of my head who had kind of left the world of animal welfare or plant-based foods, you know, because they, because of toxicity. I mean, that's the word they use. It's too toxic. I don't want to be part of it anymore. I am just going to go over here and work in another field. And, you know, good for them. That's like, okay, they've saved themselves in their own way, but it breaks my heart, you know, and I, these are people who I still want to work with. And yeah, that's, and so then who's left, right? Right. So, I, you know, respect other people's decisions. It makes me sad that that's the choice they've made. But I feel like, hell no, I'm not going to let these crazy narcissist white men push me out of the field that I help create and that I can still, you know, I still have a lot to offer. So, yeah, I am standing up against it. And look, it's not easy. Believe me. I mean, I'm still getting you know, on social media, I get shit on because I call out the biotechnology, you know, I mean, it's not easy to put yourself out there. And I, I, you know, what's always interesting to me is I get like private messages from people like, yeah, you know, we really love what you're doing, Michelle. Thank you for speaking out against this, you know, toxic uh, wave um, that people are talking about. And I say, well, why don't you speak out about it? Oh, they're afraid, you know, maybe they're getting funding from one of these crazy narcissists or, you know, for whatever reason, they're still, they're in it in a way that just, and that makes me sad too. People are being silenced out of fear, right? And so I'm on a journey (laughs) on a mission to like get people to speak out. Like, what is it in your life that is, you know, because there's a disconnect there, right? And I admit right now I'm in a place of privilege where I can speak out about this, but I just want other people who may be in a similar place of privilege who are just making certain decisions to say, no, I need to stay quiet. Really, do you have to stay quiet? Obviously you're not happy about staying quiet or you wouldn't have come to me, (laughs) right? Right, Um, right. So it's interesting to me that there are people who get it, like they they see through it and yet are silenced. 100%. 100%. I love that. I think it's Einstein, uh, Albert Einstein, who said that evil is not committed by those who do evil, 
uh, but rather those who sit and watch it without doing anything. Uh, and I'll be honest, uh, I have about 300 episodes, and from the very first episode, uh, uh, my, 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 uh, my motivation has been I refuse to sit by and watch uh, criminal activity because if I do, I am them. I'm just as, I'm just as uh, much guilty of it. Um, so I do believe there's an obligation we all have to fight this injustice. And the fact that there are so few out there who are genuinely fighting this specific battle uh, is, is, is frankly shocking. Uh, it's, it's, it's slightly embarrassing, to be honest. But the, the point is, is that there has got to be more people waking up to this. This is ridiculous. And, and the exploitation of the weak, of the, of the broken, of those who are, who are good, uh, compassionate, empathic, uh, true people uh, is absolutely destroying the planet as I see it. Of course, this is my perspective, and I think you share the same. So to finish off, first of all, I want to thank you again, because like I said, I look up to you in your ability to fight this fight. Uh, and I appreciate you, know, you reaching out and, and connecting over this specific issue. Um, so what would you say to those who are who aren't aware of this? So how would you how would you wake somebody up to the fact that this planet has a massive issue that's just absolutely not being addressed? Well, I would say there are some people who are hopeless, right? And, <laughs> but I feel like most people know in their gut that there's something wrong, right? I mean, because I just from my experience in talking to people, like it's been so eye opening to talk to so many, I can't tell you how many women have said, oh, I, I know what you're talking about. I've had a similar experience and it, it's astounding to me. Um, and so people yeah. are suffering in silence, right? That's, you know, and yeah. that's kind of how we're taught, like whatever our, especially mental issues or challenges in the workplace, you know, we are expected to suffer in silence. Or if we get pushed out, we just stay quiet about it and go about our, you know, rest of our world. But I would say to trust the gut feeling that something is wrong and to find others that have similar experiences and find ways to support each other, but also to speak out about it. And like I said, if you're in a position, I mean, there's so many people who are exploited that unfortunately just don't have the means or wherewithal. And that's, that's the other thing I just want to point out that it's not just you know, I'm extremely privileged and I'll be fine. But what really kills me is how this, you know, epidemic of narcissism and lack of empathy is really mm -hmm. the most vulnerable people in our society. And it was all laid bare, right, during the pandemic. So all of mm -hmm. the ways that capitalism has completely, you know, shit on poor people has been going yeah. on since, you know, the dawn of time, yeah. but it got exposed during yes. the pandemic, right? No question. We all know, we saw it. Some of us yeah. have family members. I mean, it's like we see the incredibly negative and soul crushing, as you put it, um, experiences that so many people in this country and around the world are having. And it is our duty, it's everyone's duty, particularly those of us who live in privilege, to speak out about these injustices. And so you know, it starts with, with ourselves, right? And goes mm -hmm. there. So we first, we take care of ourselves. We make sure we're healthy yeah. and strong. We find our own sources of support, but it doesn't stop there. Then it goes to, well, how do we help, you know, workers make more than $7.25 an hour? Like, are you kidding me? Right? And so like, I wrote an article about why the plant-based foods movement needs to stop all the cheerleading and support the workers. 
And it's just mind boggling to me that that doesn't resonate, you know, but then I write something about how biotech is the wrong answer to saving animals. And that gets like, you know, a ton of pushback and I'm, you know, being um, attacked for that. So I just feel like, where is the empathy, right? And that's what you're saying, that there's this epidemic of a lack of empathy on the planet. And, you know, it's crazy to me. So I just think we all have a responsibility to answer a question, to stand up and say, we're not gonna take it anymore. And it's time that we all take care of each other as human beings, because what is the point of saving a planet unless we have humanity that is healthy and strong and thriving? Yeah. I agree. I 100% agree. Well, thank you uh, so much for all that. It's, uh, uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to uh, deeply enjoy this interview. It's such an honor to have you on. Uh, so yeah, one last time. Thank you, Michelle, for coming on here. Pleasure. Yes, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for the platform and for all the really important work you're doing. I'm so inspired by you. And so thank you for the opportunity. Of course, of course, my pleasure. And thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Until next time, all the best.